Welcome to the NDIS Property Australia podcast. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another podcast with NDIS Property Australia. We're here with a special guest speaker, Lauren Hart from O-Tuition by Optimal Therapy. Lauren, welcome today. Thanks for having me. Super happy to be here. Is this your third podcast on STA? I think you've got two other ones with the Perth Property Show, I think. I do. I do. This is the third one. Um, I met Trent for the first one in October last year with Perth Property Show and mm-hmm. to follow up with him this year. So, um, and then met you guys through that experience, which was cool. So, um, wonderful. Into the next one. Yeah. Well, tell us more about your background. I mean, I think you're an OT person and then also also SDA assessor as well. Yeah. Yeah, correct. So I'm an occupational therapist by trade. Um, I've been an OT for I think about 11 years now. Um, I'm also an SDA assessor and I've been operating as an SDA assessor since it rolled out here in WA in 2018, I think. But primarily in OT, um, I do enjoy the SDA certification assessment stuff, but mostly passionate about OT and, and the influence that OTs can have in the built environment and particularly in disability accommodation. I think um, mm-hmm. the ability for OTs to operate in this role and for OTs to operate with builders and developers and designers in this space um, is really critical to achieving well-designed homes that work for people with a disability, work for their carers and work for their equipment. Um, so, yeah, I've been loving it since I've been in it. So I think we're about six wow. years in, which has um, gone extremely quickly. That's awesome. Are you still active as an OT? I am somewhat active as an OT. I don't have an independent caseload anymore, um, mostly because mm-hmm. pe- people need things in time frames that I unfortunately can't always deliver them with running the business and being an assessor. Um, so being an assessor is sort of my primary clinical role now. But I yes. still work with our team um, and I still work across a few complex home modification referrals and clients. That's sort of my background. And by the way I came into SDA was from um, getting involved in community OT and complex home modifications and really loving that space but wanting to see design done better from the start rather than trying to fix mm. or design with complex mods. So yes. I still work in that space a bit and still review reports and kind of support our team on a few different um, clinical visits. But, yeah, certainly not a primary caseload clinician anymore. Wonderful. So your staff and your business, do they do a lot of NDIS-related work with participants? Yeah, we do. So we work across the NDIS and the Insurance Commission of WA, which is the Motor Vehicle Accident Scheme um, in our state. So we work with the more complex end of disability. That was my clinical background, was um, started actually in community and motor vehicle injury rehab and working with people who had catastrophic injuries, whether they were brain injuries or spinal cord injuries um, or amputations. And so mm-hmm. we were already operating in that space and when the NDIS rolled out here we sort of had I guess a 
well-equipped skill set to work in a different insurance space um, mm. and I guess work with all those people who had similar injuries and disabilities but not from a motor vehicle accident cause. So mm. when that rolled out here in 2018, we kind of, you know, slowly started to take on those referrals and then got busier and busier. Um, and we have a team of 12 clinicians now um, and we all work primarily um, in the NDIS space um, and actually quite significantly in the SDA space as well. So we work with a lot of people to support them uh, testing their SDA eligibility as well as getting Mm. um, traditional support and equipment that they're going to need in SDA. Um, Mm. And we also work across, I guess, all the other elements of the scheme. So working with technology prescription and um, Mm. assisted prescription and therapy and um, all the other wonderful things OTs have to offer the world. <laughs> so you'd work with a lot of local area coordinators and plan managers out there in Perth market referring to business, wouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we've because we've kind of been in the market since the get-go, um, we've been in a really mm. fortunate position to get to know a lot of support coordinators really well, particularly the ones that yep. have sort of been when we kind of all first started, there wasn't that many of us. And so we, you know, sort of built this really great network of um, support coordinators and we're an OT only provider. So we also sort of made, I guess, a lot of networks with providers who provide other supports. So whether that be physio or positive behavioral support, speech therapy, we sort of kind of have a little bit of a network of people that we will quite often work alongside. Um, and yes. Yeah, and sort of that always grows and it's always great seeing new providers in the market and getting to know new people and we're very much a provider who wants to stick in our lane. We want to do what we're good at um, and we don't want to sort of just do anything and everything and so quite often that means we do need that network of people to refer out to or be able to give, you know, other providers' names to coordinators who want us to provide supports and we're maybe not the best organisation to do it. So, um yeah, it's Perth small. Um, it's even smaller in the disability <laughs> community, in the OT community, but um, it's ever growing at the moment, which is cool and exciting. It is. To watch. It is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, the reason why we, re- we reached out to you, Lauren, is you have a great brand called the O Tuition by Optimal Therapy, and we love what you do there. Um, it's specifically for allied health professionals, but it, it, could, it could be for anyone else, really. Can you tell us more about O Tuition, please? Yeah, absolutely. So um, that was kind of born out of this um, or kind of out of the pandemic, really. Um, Like many other great ideas and inventions when we're all cooped up trying to, you know, um, live our lives, you tend to have a bit more time and space to think about things. And something we've known has been a challenge since the NDIS rolled out has been access to allied health professionals. Um, It created a massive demand for every allied health professional um, and there's certainly still a lack of supply Um, Mm -hmm. and even more so than that all of the allied health professionals in the space then had to learn this complex scheme that changes continuously and um, I guess there's kind of was this space where everyone could learn and share knowledge and um, get education from each other was probably missing and traditionally, education mm-hmm. in allied health has either been in-person workshops, which obviously the pandemic kind of killed that, um, and then mm-hmm. online webinars have always existed and they became really prominent and they're a really fantastic way for people to share information and knowledge. But we kind of found there was this gap where really complex ideas and complex um 
skills needed to be learned and needed to be taught and there was kind of mm-hmm. no space for that. Um, and I guess that's where O-Tuition came about. Um, it's only in its very early infancy. It's just got the one or two courses actually on the moment, but both surround SDA. And I guess we started with SDA because I've lived and breathed that for the however many last few years um, we've been doing that here. And mm. we really continuously got the feedback from the community and from the people around us that there was just n- information everywhere but there was no one place you could go to understand what it is how it's funded who's eligible what they look like what does this design standard document mean what does the price guide mean um and we spoke to you know investors continuously coordinators ot's that entire spectrum of people involved in sda and there was just a lot of confusion and we sat in a somewhat unique space that because I'm an SDA assessor and certifier and we're an NDA SOT provider, we kind of worked across both ends of that SDA spectrum. But Mm. we're a small organisation, I'm one SDA assessor and we didn't have the capacity personally to do one-on-one education and to mentor OTs and to, you know, have meetings continuously with people to give them this really small fraction of information that meant, they went away sort of feeling like I might know a bit more than when I came, but I still don't know enough to actually do anything about it and I don't know enough to go yeah. and action and change or get involved in any way, shape or form. Mm. And that's kind of where that came from and it certainly wasn't intended to be as big as what it is, but we started writing it and the more we wrote, the more we had to include and the more we wrote, the more we had to include and we sort of ended up with this 10-hour <laughs> course that, you know, is um, extremely comprehensive and our hope is that for an OT who does that course, there's three modules, um, our hope is they can go through that and come out the other side actually knowing how to approach supporting someone who wants to explore their SDA eligibility. And the other course we have for all of the non-allied health professionals who want to work in SDA. So whether that's investors, builders, developers, SDA providers, support coordinators, care providers. There's two modules and that covers the design standard and it covers kind of all the other pieces of SDA that you need to know are out there, but you may not need Mm. to know all of the ins and outs and details of how they work. Um, And I guess that's kind of where we landed with O-Tuition and then subsequently this being our first course is to really try and address that gap of being providing as much knowledge as we can in one space in a really logical and easy to understand progression of information. Mm. Well, you've just covered three my next three questions in one go, so it's all over. <laughs> the next three questions will be answered. <laughs> now, I want to jump forward. Um, my, my, my final question was going to be, but I'll make it my second last question. Um, are there any more modules coming out for the SDA modules? Yeah, so the SDA modules themselves, probably not in SDA specifically, but the idea is that we'll build on the other things that attach and bolt to SDA. So um, with policy changing continuously, as policy changes Mm -hmm. in the SDA space, we will release updates to content. So anyone who's already purchased the course will obviously already receive access to that as it happens. Mm. We're going to release a SIL course, so... For those who um, haven't done the course and don't know what SIL is, um, it refers to supported independent living, which is a care model that operates in an SDA environment. 
mm-hmm. when there's multiple people living in a house um, and you've possibly heard about the agency discussing it because it's um, the biggest part of the NDIA budget is the SIL budget. So as OTs, we very frequently get asked to um, assess someone's need for um, SIL or assess, I guess, their their care needs so that a SIL roster and a SIL funding can be attached to that person to support them. And it's not it's something that as OTs who do functional assessment, we're really well equipped to do. But if it's not something you do on a frequent basis, it's quite hard to know where to start, what to include and where to kind of focus your attention because we don't want to just mm. include everything and spend all of these hours of funding to then provide information that's not really offering the agency or the person who we're supporting the information that they need to get those supports in place. So the Mm. SIL module is intended to really kind of go, this is what we have found through our experience the agency are looking for. We've had some quite Mm. good feedback from the agency and coordinators alike that we sort of have quite a good targeted approach as to how we address that. Um, And so that's what that module is going to be all about. We're hoping that's going to come out in about six weeks' time. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you've already purchased the OT course, the SDA course as an OT, you'll actually get complimentary access to that course because they do work so closely together. Um, And after that, who knows? Um, The design standard's getting re-released in October, supposedly next year or sometime next year in 2023. So -hmm. when that design standard happens, we'll do a module update about that. And I guess the plan is to kind of just keep on top of the SDA and then release more courses that are helpful for OTs and allied health professionals in the NDIS Mm. space um, to kind of provide that quite high-quality, robust um, education that maybe, you know, sits in between workshops and webinars um, in terms of how comprehensive it is. Well, speaking of robust education you just mentioned, how about robust housing? Is there many robust houses out there being developed in the birth market? No, no, we have a real dire lack of robust housing being developed in WA. Um, We've supported a lot of participants to explore their eligibility and test their eligibility for um, robust SDA. We've had quite a lot of um, positive outcomes in terms of people being approved for it, but there's just no dwellings on the ground. I only know of a handful being developed um, and certainly there's a really big demand I know that a lot of people are fearful about building robust because they maybe don't understand it, but I certainly think that there's um, enough approvals for robust dwellings out there that uh, people just need to connect with each other, work out what they're both looking for and where they're looking for it and um, Mm. to develop it. We've certainly seen the most come through for two-person and single occupancy and robust and nothing more than that. We've not seen um, anyone well, no one who's coming to us for support with SDA in the robust space is wanting anything more than single occupancy or dual occupancy. Agreed. We've had two two podcasts the last few weeks with Dr. Angad Singh from Sedan Constructions, and we're rolling out a, quite a number of um, improvability houses in the infill areas around Perth, and he's definitely keen on rolling out more robust houses under our advice um, to the Perth market because the market in Perth needs more IELTS and robust for sure, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Improvability, there's such a, um, a dramatic need for that. Um, I know that there's mm. a lot of people who are hesitant to build it um, and aren't sure how to quite maybe make it work, but we're certainly not seeing um, any 
real significant development of IL yet in the WA market um, and we're certainly getting people approach us to be supported mm. to move that accommodation. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's obviously the slightly harder market to build for than fully accessible and high physical support because the tenancy profile is a bit more unknown. Um, you know, physical disability has a really wide spectrum of need, but mm. it's mm easier to predict accessibility requirements structurally and spatially in a home, uh, whereas obviously for IL and Robust, we've got a standard that we build to with the design standard. Mm. There's also some really significant needs for people that aren't actually captured within that standard. Um, mm. So, yeah, my hope is that we do get a lot more of those dwellings built and developed and um, the people who need them can move in. Don't worry, we're bringing out a lot of IELTS in Perth. Don't worry. <laughs> Custom designs, very large houses. Don't worry. Um, in your time as your role as an SDA assessor, how what have you what have you seen work and not work in the marketplace from these builders and developers? Very good question. Um, where to start? Um, well, your your I advice. Think- your- <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Um, Read the design standard in its black and white form at your own peril would probably be number one for me. The design standard is what it is because we, everyone needs a document to build to and to be guided as to what people with a disability need as a minimum standard in their home. Mm-hmm. But from a SDA assessor who's also a clinician who works with people who have significant disability all the time, it is a minimum standard and there's parts of that standard that are always going to meet someone's needs and there's parts of those standard that aren't. So, you know, 1,200 wide corridors is one of my bugbears for fully accessible and high physical support. 1,200 is just not enough, to be honest, for most people in those categories. They need 14, mm. 1,500 wide corridors um, because otherwise you're going to have substantial wall damage and having kitchens and living rooms that are the size of, you know, a unit, but you're then expecting two or three people who have bulky equipment to live there isn't going to work. You need mm-hmm. a lot more space. Um, and so I think for for me the biggest learning journey I've had is that when people get given an S, a, a design standard or a, a standard document in the building world, they build to that standard and that makes sense because that's what they've been presented with and that's what, the building world does is they build to a standard or a code. Um, what is, I guess, lacking is the understanding and the application from the two worlds. So over here, people who live with disability, the people who support them and therapists and providers mm. who work with that all day and builders who are building to a standard, everyone kind of needs to switch sides for a little bit, try and see the world from each other's perspective and then realise that we need to land somewhere in the middle Builders, mm. developers, and investors need to be able to build viable products, but people with a disability need to be able to live in a functional home. And I think that we're probably not quite there yet. Those two sides of the market haven't quite understood each other's needs to the extent mm. at which they need to. Um, mm. So that's probably been my biggest biggest learning journey when you've got two sectors that have never crossed paths really before, now mm. you know quite reliant and codependent on each other, is that we've still got a bit of a bit of a way to go in terms of understanding each other's needs. Yeah. My my two cents worth for advice for anyone who's a developer or builder listening to this podcast right now, to myself and Lauren, is to 
don't build to minimum standards because it is just the minimum, right? Number one. Number two is future-proof your product. So think about highly adjustable systems. Think about extra spacing, extra courtyard, extra room. Just just think about what would make this product, the property as a product, to be better to be better accepted long-term so they don't move out in two years' time to look for something better. So if, if you can add those two concepts into your mind and then also ask the question to your local um, assessor or OT, allied health professional, just a bit of advice because um, that advice goes a long way to help the end participant who's going to live in your house, your, your dwelling, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you're someone who's building multiple of these dwellings and you've got people starting to live in them, what, like get the feedback what isn't working yeah. for them because what works for one may not work for another and I think that's yeah. one of the great things about this scheme is as people start to build more products and have more tenants move in they can get feedback about what else they could or should be doing to continuously improve yeah. rather than rolling out the same design that you're then going to have 10 of the same problem in you can actually be getting that feedback continuously and making those improvements so that your portfolio is one that's attractive for a long period of time mm. for a diverse mm. range of people. Yes. Uh, one last question, probably my last question. Um, fire sprinklers, are they a requirement or not in Class 3 or Class 2 in Western Australia? I'm hearing different stories from everyone. What's your, what's your feedback as an assessor? My feedback as an OT and as an assessor is SDA should not be built without sprinklers. I am very much of mm. the opinion that if you are going to provide housing for people with a disability, you need to put sprinklers in place because it is their best protection against a fire event and nothing else that you can do will give them the same level of protection as sprinklers. It isn't mandatory is my understanding. It's not under the design standard. Um, It's strongly, strongly, strongly recommended, but it wasn't mandated. Um, From a building code perspective, my understanding is it's not mandated other than Mm. the way that a class two or class three building currently mandate it in the building code. So if the building code mandates it already, obviously it's mandatory because building code trumps design standard every day of the week. But I'm of the opinion that it is short-sighted and potentially foolish to not include sprinklers in your SDA development wherever possible. Totally agree. And that is an example of future-proofing your asset. Yeah, absolutely. The reason why we really love what you're doing is it it actually helps um, builders, developers come to us and investors as well, go to a source of information and in this case, it is a course, a module course, for people to better understand what they get themselves into. Because so many times, I mean, alone last week, we had 41 new inquiries from last week, right? And they were like, well, how's this work? What is it all about? I think with this podcast today with you and our, adding you on our partners, preferred partners page to direct our, our listeners to subscribe to your course, it will definitely give them a better insight to what SDA is all about in within the NDS sector. So we, we look forward to having a lot more information coming out from your end with regards to um, the modules, other modules as well. Lauren Hart, 
for my Lauren Hart from my tuition by optimal therapy. Thank you so much for your time. I'm going to link in the other uh, podcasts from Perth Property Show in our description below for anyone else to who loves the voice and the, and the technical knowledge from Lauren to listen more for the next three four hours, right? <laughs> and we look forward to seeing more being released in the coming few weeks or months. Lauren, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Min. Cheers. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure that you are subscribed and following us so that you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this episode with those that can benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.